Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to Gang Green and Goudreau right here on PercolatedMedia.net. This is Goudreau here. Thank you all very much for listening as always. And before I get into the topic of this show, I do have to let everyone know that I apologize greatly for not being able to tape a show last week. To be perfectly honest, the week got away from me. Work has been tremendously busy and I just... I. Every time I thought I had the instant to sit down and record, something came up. At least four times by my estimation between work and uh, my home life. So I apologize. I, I won't be able to really cover the Jet Bill game last week. But there's plenty of other people who could do that for me. And speaking of things that we are covering that involve things that are blue, like the Bill uniforms except for Saturday against the Dolphins. Garrett, Adam, and myself are indeed doing, for our next retrospective to close out the year, we're doing both Avatar movies, James Cameron's original, and The Way of Water, which just came out this past weekend. All of us have seen it. I'm recording this on Monday the 19th. We're actually recording the Way of Water review this upcoming Wednesday, and that'll be posted on December 30th. But our review of the original is dropping this Friday. And it was interesting going back to watch that for the first time since theaters. Both Garrett and myself took that angle. Adam suggested this show, these two shows, because he's the fan. He's been to Disney World, where the Pandora is a subsection of Animal Kingdom. And he was sort of the, the advocate for us doing it. And Garrett and I have made Adam do enough stuff, see the Stephen King gauntlet that we have laid out in front of him so we thought it was only fair to throw him a bone in this particular instant so speaking of qualifiers i need to let everyone know right now i am recording this a day early typically i record on tuesdays for this show and to be perfectly honest i was all set to go and tape sunday night last night but at the behest of christian talking some sense into me because I, I I never when I started doing this show consistently I told myself I was not going to be that guy who comes in after a bad loss or, or a gratifying win and give immediate reaction largely because it taints your perspective and it can make you somewhat incoherent with your thought process and I'd be remiss if I said that that would not have been the case if I taped last night. I'm sure it would have made for some great podcasting to a certain degree, but I do want to keep a certain semblance of professionalism here on the site, which maybe is somewhat hypocritical given the obscenities that we occasionally throw on our main show. But I, I don't want to, I never want to be that guy anymore. I like to think I'm, I'm past that. And look, the word fan is short for fanatic. And it's difficult to keep your emotions in check. Good or bad. Because I've, I've swung both ways throughout the course of my life. So maybe someday I'll do a live, like maybe an Instagram post if we do that for the site. But... I don't foresee me doing any immediate shows following a game. So if you want someone to blame, blame Christian. 
So I did wait until Monday morning because I'm I am recording this pretty early. I think it's about what is it five five thirty eight a.m. right now. So it's pretty early in my day. I got my coffee in front of me, and here here's why. I think it was smart for me to wait. I wanted to get all my thoughts out in the open on paper first and foremost to give myself some kind of a guide and really break down what my feelings are because there is a there is a broad perspective that I have of just being frustrated as anybody would be if you watched the game yesterday in particular with how it ended and even how it started. It was bookended by proverbial kicks in the nuts. Uh, to me, uh, I, I guess it's a good thing that we're not having any more kids because uh, it I feels like my, my well has gone dry because that's how hard I feel like I was metaphorically kicked. People always ask me that are not in my family or among fellow Jet fans, what is it like being a Jets fan? And if I had to su- summarize it, I think this is the type of game that personifies why I always say that being a Jets fan is taking years off my life. And I don't think I am exaggerating when I say that because this was, I don't want to call it same old Jets, but there were so many echoes of, like, I guess because it's December, this was the, the ghosts of Christmas past showed up at MetLife Stadium yesterday and showed her ass, basically, in front of all the Jet fans that were there. This was the kind of game that reminded me why it's why it's so hard being a Jet fan. And I do have to remind everyone that I did not think the Jets were a playoff team going into this season. I think they benefited from playing some backup quarterbacks getting some breaks on key absences in some of their big wins, like not playing against T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh. Buffalo was without some key defenders in the first game. So there, there is sort of a an equality that seems to be, unfortunately, coming out now. So even when they were sitting at 6-3, and three, I thought, who knows, maybe they sneak into the playoffs, but I don't view them as a serious threat. And as we've seen, Since the bye week, the wheels have sort of fallen off the wagon. But I don't think it's all entirely because of on-the-field deficiencies. Injuries are a part of the NFL. It's just the the unfortunate reality of the, the game that they play. And there are certain things you cannot overcome. You can have all the depth that you want. But when you are having to replace your best players, no matter how many pieces you have in the reserves, they don't add up to what you're losing. And we're really starting to see now on both sides of the ball. So I'll start with the offense. Since losing Brees Hall, the running back, who was the spark of this offense when the passing game was not working, and Elijah Vera Tucker, who is far and away their best offensive lineman, they're two and five. So I think there is a correlation between losing the two of them and the offense not 
gelling as it was, in particular the run game, which played into this game that happened on Sunday against Detroit. Excuse me. That makes it tough. And then defensively, Quinn and Williams got hurt in the Buffalo game, so he did not play on on uh, yesterday's game. And this defense has been very good. Some would call it elite. I don't know if I go that far just yet, and this is not just reinforced by yesterday. But he had, for the defensive line, keep in mind, everyone, he plays on the interior. So he, he plays a lot of against a lot of double teams. He still has 11 sacks in, I don't know what it was, 13 games. So he was having an all-pro season and was far and away their best defensive player. So he did not play on Sunday, and his absence showed. Losing those cornerstone players on a very young team that still has some holes. The Jets are just not good enough yet to overcome those injuries. And add to that, Corey Davis got hurt in the Buffalo game. I'm going to start calling him Mr. Glass, by the way, because of his 31 possible games, he's only played in 12 of them. So I don't foresee him being on the team next year. Because he seems to be Zach's go-to target. And he can come down with those contested catches and he's their most experienced receiver. But I don't think they're going to justify his cap hit with his injury history going into his third year. Because his contract has an out to where they could save some money by cutting him or trading him. So they went into this game against Detroit. With a handicap, as they have for the last few games with Brees Hall and ABT. Um, that's just been a something they've had to wrestle with. So there, there's that reality. And then in the game, Denzel Mims goes down. So they're already without Corey Davis in the wide receiver group. Denzel Mims gets a concussion. He's out for a portion of the game. Jeff Smith gets hurt in the game, who made some big catches. So their hand was already tied behind their back, and they basically cuffed the other one to a, to an extent. Because I've, I've said this in the past, and I think this rings true. There's a difference between a, a circumstances and an excuse. I don't want to hear about those two guys getting hurt as the reason why they lost the game. So that's going to bring me to my, my weekly thesis statement. and call it my overview of the proceedings, is that I don't think the blame falls on one specific person for them losing yesterday 20-17. to 17. This was a, a collective team disappointment with key contributions to the defeat in all three aspects of the game, offense, defense, special teams, and on coaching. So I don't want to hear about placing the lion's share of the blame at the feet of Zach Wilson or on Robert Sala, on the receivers, on the defense. I think everyone bears some brunt of the responsibility. It was a, as I called it earlier, it was a collective team disappointment. And these are the kind of games that hurt the most because they've lost three in a row now. And they've been in every game, but they just have not been able to close them out 
with opportunities to do so, like in the Minnesota game. If Braxton Berrios catches that touchdown, they win that game. The Buffalo game, they were in it for pretty much the entirety. And if Michael Carter doesn't fumble that ball, who knows? Maybe they tie it up and we go to overtime. So in this game, now let's get into the nitty-gritty. Big question was, we found out Mike White was not going to start. They were going back to Zach Wilson after three weeks of riding the bench. The big question was, how was he going to do? What did he learn from his slice of humble pie that I guess was part of his Thanksgiving dinner? I had no idea what to expect, but I said this going into the game. I had just watched Baker Mayfield get off a plane from Carolina and win a game as the starter for the Rams. And we've seen plenty of quarterbacks come back from being humbled and do well. So my expectations were he had to play well. He could not have another dud against a Lion defense that statistically leaves a lot to be desired. Like you could exploit this defense if your quarterback has the wherewithal to to do it. And look, when I look at Zach's overall game, there is a there is a consistency in his game and that he's inconsistent. And what do I mean by this? Well, since he got drafted and since he took over as the Jets starter, there's been a consistent pattern throughout all of his games, maybe with one or two exceptions. He can make the spectacular throws. The the deep the deep shots, the bootlegs where he throws across his body, he can do that stuff. That's never been in doubt. But when it comes to the machinations of an offense, moving the chains, the short game, he's still tremendously jittery. He's got happy feet still. He sails balls over guys' heads. He'll underthrow some guys. He makes boneheaded interceptions. He does not make the easy look easy. And when you're the quarterback, you need to have the ability to stay in rhythm. And he has yet to show that he can do that. And it was magnified in this game. There was a particular example. Played a really good first half. It was 10-10 at halftime because the Jets went down the field and got into field goal range. Maybe should have been a touchdown. There was a questionable uh, non-call in the end zone where Jeff Smith was clearly held by a Lions defender. So it should have been first and goal at the one. But, hey, I'm not going to, like I said, place the blame at one person. There's a lot of a lot of parties at fault. The officials being one of them, which is the story of the NFL this week, basically. I don't know if there's been a more controversial slate of games when it comes to officiating than what we saw over the past week in the NFL. So they come out first drive of the third quarter. Much like the New England game. It's a parallel. Throws a boneheaded interception. I don't know what he was thinking. There was not no thought process I could see that would instinctively lead you to make that throw. 
Lions get three out of it off the turnover, which was the difference in the game because they lost by three. So he can't do the easy stuff. But at the same time, he put them in position to win the game in the fourth quarter. He gave them the go-ahead touchdown, which made it 17-13 with, I think, three minutes to go somewhere around there in that ballpark. And he made some big throws on that drive. A lot of it has to do with Garrett Wilson, who broke a couple weeks ago. He broke Keyshawn Johnson's Jets rookie record for receiving yards. And this week, he broke Wayne Corbett's record for receptions by a Jets rookie. So statistically, Garrett Wilson is having the best rookie wide receiver season in Jets history. So that's a big positive when I look at the, the big picture of the Jets. Looks like they have their number one receiver. And they have their lockdown corner in Sauce, who was not targeted a single time in this game. And I love his tweet. He put it after the game. He said, yeah, that's cool, but a win is far more satisfying. That's the mentality I like. So Joe Douglas hit on those two picks. And he obviously hit on Brees Hall before he got hurt. So I think the foundation is here on the peripheral. We'll talk about the quarterback situation momentarily. So they go up 17-13. And the defense, who had kept the Lions out of the end zone for 58 minutes, had a brain fart on fourth and one from the 50. Goff ran to the right, cross body, hits his fullback, who runs 50 yards for a touchdown. And they go up 20 to 17. If you want to be considered a great you know, vaunted defense. Those are the kind of plays that just cannot happen. And I talk about the ghost of Christmas past. This reminded me so much of Rex Ryan's Jets, where the defense plays lights out for 95% of the game. And then they have that one drive where they fold like a cheap suit in the rain and it costs them the game. If you want an example, go back. There was a game, I think it was the exact same week against Atlanta. In Rex Ryan's first year, where the defense gave up a touchdown to Tony Gonzalez on the last drive to lose the game. Reminded me so much of that. Because it was almost the exact same situation where they were playing great. And they just, I don't know what it was, a miscommunication, what have you. But that's the kind of things that you cannot have happen if you want to be considered a top five defense. So it, it that that was the that was the hardest part to take throughout this entire game. So then we get to the final drive. Jets have the ball, they have all their timeouts. And Zach made some big throws on that last drive. He converted a third and 18. There was a fourth and like 19 he converted. So he he threw some darts. And he showed his mobility, which is the one big advantage he has over Mike White. He's far more mobile in the pocket. So there was a first completion to Garrett Wilson. And Sala did not call timeout. He let the clock run for about 25 seconds. And I was screaming at my TV pretty emphatically, I must say. Call timeout. That I'm, I try my best to not be a, a couch coach. But when I see something so blatantly obvious, I have to call it out. It's almost instinctively. And then when they get into field goal range, 
They kicked the field goal with one second left. With timeouts in his pocket. Are you kidding me? Call timeout. Let your kicker actually set up instead of rushing him onto the field. Because it's a 58-yard kick. That's not a chip shot by any means. Even for Zerline, who had a 60-yarder in Minnesota. So that last drive was a coaching failure. Just like the drive before that where they gave up the touchdown, that was a defensive failure. So the fourth quarter, both the defense and the offense contributed to losing this game and the coaching. And yes, Zach Wilson had a bad third quarter, a very bad third quarter. He missed some routine throws. But I'm not going to crucify the kid because he... He did his job to get them in the lead to win the game. With three minutes to go, it's the expectation your defense has played pretty darn well throughout the game. You cannot give up that touchdown there. You absolutely cannot. So now we get to special teams. If I have to watch Braden Mann either shank a punt or punt another touchback, I'm going to shove my foot so far up his ass he'll be flossing with my fucking shoelaces. Special teams is a game of inches. It is a game of field position. You know how you make the Lions' red-hot offense making their job significantly harder? Pin them back. Pin them inside the 10. Pin them inside the 5. Stop shaking punts to midfield. We're kicking the ball into the fucking end zone so it's a 20-yard pullout. And to top it all off, Brandon Mann shanks a punt out of his own end zone, which gets returned for a touchdown because by the time the punt people get down there on the kicking team, they're not in position and they give up the touchdown. Which, by the way, there have been three punts returned for touchdowns on the season, two of them by the Jets. So for the love of God, Joe Douglas, get a new punter this offseason. Because I'm sick of Brandon Mann. He sucks. And then the defense, in addition to that drive. I get Quinn and Williams didn't play, but you didn't get a single sack on Jared Goff. I get their roll line's good. But again, you want to be considered a top five defense, your other guys have to step up. Carl Lawson, that's $15 million down the shitter. They threw the bag at John Franklin Myers, and he's practically been non-existent when Quinn and Williams is not on the field. So the D-line disappointed with a capital D. So you lose the turnover battle. You lose the field position battle. You don't get any sacks. You're going to lose every time. And for a team that is built on the run, which the Jet offense is, They had 50 yards rushing on 22 attempts. That's a little over two yards a run. That's not good enough. And I don't want to hear about Brees Hall being out as the reason why they can't run, because they ran the ball pretty damn well against Buffalo. They've run the ball without him. So I'm shouldering the blame on this offensive line, and I can't blame any young rookies because this is a collective group of veterans who are all making considerable amount of money. Dwayne Brown looks like he should retire. George Fant is probably still playing through an injury. Lakin Tomlinson has been a disappointment as a free agent acquisition. 
And Nate Herbig is a utility guard who's replacing Vera Tucker. So as a unit, they're not gelling. They can't create holes. They can't hold a defensive lineman long enough for Bam Knight to actually find a hole to run through. And they didn't even try running to the outside. Every run was basically straight between the tackle, between the tackles. So it was just a, it was a perfect storm to lose the game. So quite frankly, as I alluded to earlier, everybody bears responsibility. And now for the Jets, you're sitting there at seven and seven after being six and three. I get the schedule hardened significantly. But you put yourself in a position where you basically have to, the only way you can make the playoffs is to win out. So you're going to beat Jacksonville on Thursday, who just shocked the Cowboys, by the way. You got to go to Seattle and you got to go to Miami. Not impossible, but it's pretty damn close. So I'm not mad because they are not going to make the playoffs. Because I didn't think they had a shot to begin with. I'm mad because this is the type of game that I've seen too many times as a Jet fan. Where they play well enough to win and just collapse when it matters most. It's on the coaching. It's on every unit. It's just, it's what being a Jet fan is. It's watching bullshit like this. So I don't want to hear about people saying, oh, Mike White would have won us this game. That's entirely hypothetical. If Mike White plays, you don't think that solves Salah's brain fart on the last drive? That solves them giving up a punt return for a touchdown. That solves the defense giving up a fourth and inches for a 50-yard touchdown in a spot where a touchdown is all you have to prevent to win the fucking game. This is the maddest I have been all, all season. Outside of maybe the second Patriot game. Which, by the way, it's even more embarrassing that this is the same Jet team that lost to the Patriot team twice, considering what's happened to the Patriots this season. Makes it all the more embarrassing. So we can address, you know, the quarterback situation this offseason. Because there's an old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And they played good in spurts. Mike White's played good. Zach Wilson's played good in spurts. But neither of them have shown they can be the long-term answer going forward. So I think there's going to be a very serious discussion this offseason about bringing in a veteran, whether it's a Derek Carr, a Jimmy Garoppolo, hell, a Taylor Heineke, even a Tom Brady, as much as I, as much as I dread that possibility, or an Aaron Rodgers, because that worked out so well for us the last time we got an ex-Packer to come take a pit stop in New York for one year. Maybe they draft a developmental quarterback in the second round like the Anthony Richardson kid out of Florida. And you sort of groom him to take over the job. So we'll see what happens on Thursday. 
but I, I don't like their chances with Jacksonville. So Corey Franklin, the only group that I can't really critique are the wide receivers outside of Braxton Berrios, who does he just forget how to play football between his punt returns and drops? It seems like he has his brain was sucked out by aliens this offseason. Maybe he should spend less time posting with his girlfriend on Instagram and more time on the practice field learning how to catch the damn football. Now, look, Zach didn't do him any favors because there was one ball he airmailed that would have been a touchdown because Berrios had nothing but green grass in front of him if Zach put a little more touch on it. So, aye, aye, aye. Like it's the and look, it's not like we lost to a, an embarrassingly bad Lions team because they're on the up and up the same way that I think the Jets are long term. But that's the kind of game that you sh- you you know, I'm tired of coulda woulda shoulda. They had it and they let it get away from them. So all kinds of stuff was at play here because of Christmas, Jack Frost picked up a snowball, and rolled it down a hill. It got progressively bigger and bigger, and then just steamrolled the team in the final two minutes. So I'm also not going to be someone who calls this season a failure if they don't make the playoffs, because this team has won more games this year than the last two years combined. So I'm not going to throw everything away in the name of positivity because they're, you know, not getting the job done. But the opportunities were absolutely there, and it sucks that they squandered them. But there is a foundation here to build upon, but that's going to happen in the offseason, which will definitely be a topic of conversation for me once the regular season is over. I'll talk about my game plan, what I'd like to see happen, whether it's a quarterback, free agency, who do we cut, who do we sign. I'll definitely get into that, but we got three weeks to go. So here we go. We're on to Jacksonville. Who knows what's going to happen? So thank you all very much for listening. And yeah, I'm I'm not pleased because it was a gut punch to lose the game like that. But I, you know, it it is what it is to beat that old that old saying. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. As always, you know, I only got a couple more shows to go. I don't think I'm going to be doing any postseason coverage, to be perfectly honest, because it, it it won't have any Jets, <laughs> won't have any Jet uh, players in it outside of people that have signed with other teams. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So thank you all for listening. I uh, hope you all have a happy holiday uh, this upcoming week, and thank you all very much for listening. One more thing, though, I want to plug for our year-end show. We are doing a Q and A. So if there's a question you want to ask any of us, myself, Garrett, Adam, you can ask all three of us. You can ask only one of us. All you need to do is log on to our Facebook page. Uh, I posted a picture of it. Some people have already submitted questions. Just leave a comment or message me on Facebook. Shoot me a text message. Shoot any of us a message. We're, we're going to answer all of them, but we did put one little caveat. We're not going to answer questions that have to do with reviewing particular films in a franchise or our thoughts on a franchise as a whole. The reason being is that we don't want to show our hand with things we could potentially cover down the road. So outside of that, it's fair game. 
So speaking of fair game, uh, go Jets on Thursday. And thank you all for listening.